1: Good morning and welcome to the show. This is Andy Webb with Lifestyles Unlimited, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Hey, I'd like to hear what's on your mind today. I'm going to give out the telephone number here in the studio right away. It's 855-497-4335, again, 855-497-4335, or send me an email to askandy at askandyatluinc.com. Of course, we're talking real estate, we're talking investing. Uh, we want to find you or help you find your path to financial freedom. And in order to get there, I want to I divulge a little bit about what's on my mind today. So I gave you the number. If you have questions or whatever, uh, have something on your mind, let me know. What's on my mind? Home ownership. In fact, I'm sitting in the middle of Construction Central right now at my home studio <laughs> because the rehab, the renovations we've been doing to our own house, uh, the 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 crew went a little long and showed up at eight in the morning today on Sunday. So if you hear a little hammering, some saws, uh, saws all cutting cutting through the wall, well, that's that's probably what that is. So <laughs> I've got appropriately. For today's topic, uh, home ownership on my mind. Is it declining in the U.S.? Is it increasing? Is it a good thing for you to own your own personal house or, or a bad thing? Is it the age-old question? Is it an asset or a liability? You always hear people say that it's your biggest investment. Is it really an investment? And here I'm talking again about your personal residence. And we'll, we'll compare and contrast that a little bit with... My rental houses, your rental houses if you have any or are planning to get some, how do they differ? They behave a little bit differently in, in, in a number of ways. And this also came up in part because I had a question uh, came up on a recent Zoom call that I attended, a Lifestyles Unlimited uh, ambassador meeting. It was with the California group a week or so ago. And somebody asked, what is the best way to use your personal home's equity to get into real estate? And we'll talk about that uh, later today as, as well for me right like i said we're we're doing some construction now i'll tell you how that plays into that very question boy i'll tell you spring has sprung i'm seeing all the pollen on the trees i'm starting to feel it as well and i hope you got through all your renovations any repairs if you dealt with that past deep freeze that's been over a month now we, we got off pretty easy here at our house. Nothing nothing to speak of. Had a few leaks at uh, rental houses that we've already dealt with, uh, gone back in. You know, they jackhammered the slab, got to the leak, fixed it, tiles gone in very easy, very quick, and it's done. The repairs at my house have nothing to do with that, just long planned, overdue improvements. What's interesting for me, though, is the live oak in my backyard. It's this Monster tree beautiful tree a live oak if you're not familiar with those they 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 retain their leaves throughout the season They don't drop those in the fall like other deciduous trees and you know They ha- they shed a little bit like a dog might here and there but uh, tend to hold those leaves But boy they in our area they've been heavily him- impacted by that deep freeze and they're just it's like snowmageddon for me Has now converted into fallmageddon because leaves are coming down in 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 bundles. It's basically dropping everything So we'll we'll hang tight and see if it's gonna turn around. I'm pretty sure I climbed up there, saw some buds. I think we should be okay. If you have foliage, trees, bushes, whatever, hang tight, you know it may it may push through water those things. Uh, tell your residents if you do have rental houses uh, to do the same. Uh, keep an eye on the gutters. I'm clear, clearing those things every two days because of uh, uh, the leave uh, dropage that we're getting here. Also in the news, just a quick update. If, if, if you heard last week's show, we talked uh, a little bit about tax deadlines for those in Texas. And in Oklahoma, due to the, the storms, due to the disaster declaration from President Biden, the IRS already pushed that tax filing deadline back for us from mid-April to uh, June 15th. And we were postulating, are, are they going to do that for the rest of the country? A lot of the CPAs out there were, were, were asking for that. We just can't get it all done with the Coronavirus CARES Act, all the, all the tax changes you've made Big brother. Um, well, lo and behold, they have done that very thing. So, if you've been dragging your feet like I tend to do at this time of year, um, they've pushed that back for the rest of the country to May 17th. So, you don't have quite as much time as we do here in Texas or in Oklahoma. But I wanted to make sure you were aware some good news if you're a little bit slow on getting your documents together. So, let's talk about home ownership, right? You, you've heard it, it's the American dream. Right. That 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 house with the white picket fence. The back in the day when that that concept was born, I think it was the single car, because you had a single car garage, two kids, two point five, whatever the (laughs) average number was there. How has that changed? And I have an interesting article we'll take a peek at here. I'm not going to get into all the details. It is from some economists, so it gets pretty pretty meaty. And they, they ask the question, American dream or American obsession? And they look at the economic benefits and costs of homeownership and here again we're talking about your personal house not not a rental house a different totally different animal but i did look at some stats and uh home ownership you know as it, it peaked pretty heavily in in the 2005 2006 area just ahead of the last crash the the housing crash basically and got you know if you go out to um which one is this the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. They have a good graph here showing that very thing. How it's 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 just skyrocketed. It was it was about forty percent home ownership rate pre World War II and got as high as seventy percent, around about two thousand five, two thousand six. Right. The government does a lot to support home ownership. Maybe maybe they should be a little less involved with that, with subsidies and whatnot. But we'll, we'll look at that. Obviously, financial crisis hit. Took a precipitous drop all the way through to 2016 or so, um, down to the low 60s. So still relatively high, and and it's been it's been climbing again significantly uh, in the recent past. So people are back, as we've seen, buying again. Why? Interest rates are low, right? It's it's cheaper. You can afford that that mortgage payment a little better with the low interest rates. Now, as a sidebar, we're going to talk about cash out refis here in, in a little bit those interest rates are creeping back up. So if you've been planning, if you've been thinking, if you've been asking yourself that very question, what's the best way to get my home's equity to invest in real estate, uh, you might want to make a move fairly quickly because rates are creeping up. How high will they go? Uh, We don't know. So. Interesting trend line and, and relatively high. I think I, I've spent a lot of time living overseas in, in, in Germany in particular. And I thought, wow, home ownership rate there seems fairly low. So I did a little digging in it. and sure enough, it's about 51% in Germany, which is towards the bottom of all of Europe. They get as high as 85% in some of the more rural areas like Romania, you know, more, more agrarian sort of cultures. But when we come back, I've got an interesting story about how you can buy and build your own house in Germany. It,
2: deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, tour is, tour. you deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crowley Port, Chicago, Illinois. Austin's
0: Talk 1370.
2: Welcome back to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Now let's get back to your map to financial freedom.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm your host Andy Webb, and on today's show, we're we're going to compare home, home ownership, your personal house, to ownership of rental houses. Right, they're all houses, but but there there are some important differences and. Is home ownership the way to go? There's a, an interesting 10-11 page uh, article or or study uh, on put out by the Philadelphia uh, Reserve uh, when when Lee Lee and Fang Yang. Now this was done late uh, 2010 after the the housing crisis, but they they took a look at the the American dream and reframed it as or is it the the American obsession? The they talk about the economic benefits and costs of home ownership, owning your personal residence. We'll talk about why we. Commonly think buying that house is important, that personal residence, um, and then we'll reframe that and look at the, the the notion of buying a rental house instead or side by side. You can you can of course do both. Um, and I wanted to give you a quick story. You know, here in the U.S., we 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 do a lot to subsidize housing, and, and that's one of the questions these economists look at: is 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 that something we should even be doing? And just I looked across the pond at our neighbors in in Europe and. I think I just cited Romania 85%. No, their home ownership's even higher, 95%. But a lot of the markets over there do have a lot of subsidies that push people into houses. Where I spent a lot of time living, by comparison, Germany, um, they make it more difficult. Now, it's one of the bigger markets over there. Like a lot of the countries, there's not a lot of land. That drives up prices, of course. If you think about Texas, you can fit two Germanys inside our great states. So we've got a lot more land. Even here, our, our, our land prices have been going up of course but talking with a friend we we used to skydive with there um she's in the in in the process of trying to buy or rather build a home in her hometown where she grew up and it's been ongoing for over two years now they make it difficult there's a point system and you get points if you have kids if you are, she's a single mom, she gets extra points. If you grew up in that area, you get more points than that person that has now moved there and also wants to build a house. Any number of things go into that, high income, lower income, right? So clearly they're, they're, they're weighting it in, in, in terms of certain individuals or, or uh, I guess, uh, the, the, the type of person or, or family they want in that, that that particular area. It makes it very difficult, already two years. Has to have a you know the more down payment you have saved up the the more points the highest you can get is, is hundred she's at ninety I guess eventually <laughs> she'll get to build that dream that dream home but again in that market fifty one percent home ownership rate so clearly a little bit lower um, interestingly of course if you think back to World War II I mentioned the the stat here in the U S forty percent home ownership uh, prior to World War II close to seventy percent at the peak before we had our, our last financial crisis around the housing market. Um, Germany, by comparison, they lost 20% of their housing stock, again, thanks to that, that very World War II that we mentioned, so it makes it a little more difficult over there, I suppose, but thinking about home ownership, is it, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Should, should you buy your own place? Is it an investment? Okay, and and that's one of the things that the the economists look at here. They they you know the two the two principal reasons that people put forward to buy a house, their own house, are number one a means of saving, right, forced saving. I got to pay the mortgage every month if I want to keep that roof over my head, and then a means of investment. And and they de- I'm not going to go through the ten pages eleven pages. They get pretty nitty gritty because they are economists here, but they basically deconstruct both of those. Arguments again. Our government makes home ownership; they, they, they favor it, right? We we have deductions for mor- mortgage interest. We have used to have deductions for property taxes that that went away under the under President Trump. That's probably coming back. We'll see. Um, and effectively, if you think about it, you are paying yourself rent for that house, and there are no taxes on that. Whereas I, for my rental properties, in theory, could pay taxes. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit as well. We we really don't. Um, but, but beside those incentives aside, we also have very cheap financing for our properties. Heck you, you can get into a property for three, three and a half percent down. If you don't have a lot of money, they'll, they'll foot the bill for the closing costs. Everything that goes into that, that sounds to me like a recipe for disaster. If you're getting into that house, you don't have the money for closing costs. What's happening at my house right now, maintenance repairs, capex. How do you, how do you fund that? And that's exactly where the economists go here is that, number one, that notion of the house as forced savings, it's, it's really not there. Because we, we are Americans. We, we like to go out. We're consumers. We like to go out and buy. And as soon as we see some equity in that house, we'll come back to that equity because it is important. It is an important notion to that question I got last week. We go and tap into that. And then we go and buy consumer goods. So we're not saving. We can't wait. We have no sense, no, no patience, right? No instant gratification. That's the problem why we are not actually using this tool, quote unquote, tool as a means of saving to save. It does, just doesn't happen. Financing is, it's it's easy to get now, right? Rates are low. I get that. And the other notion of using that house, your personal residence as an investment, they, they got in, again, economists here got into some pretty nitty gritty calculations and effectively arrived at a... Return on investment that is just a little bit below zero. Personal residence that I'm talking about here, not 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 our rental houses. Um, a little bit south of zero. What's going into that? Well, we mentioned the property taxes, insurance. You know, all those holding costs to hold that property, um, and then repairs. Right. And 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 what do a lot of people do? Maybe they over 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 renovate, over rehab their house, over improve. Um, put in that pool. Well, that just adds to the cost and so on. So through their sundry calculations, they've effectively said, "Hey, look, you're you're getting you're you're coming in at, at a little bit south of zero, in terms of that return on your personal house." Now they don't go into the these are economic benefits. They don't go into the the social benefits, and 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 those are certainly there, right? Um, I, we've been in our house here where where I'm broadcasting from right now uh, nine years. Right. I know my neighbors very well. If, if we're out of town, they'll, they'll check the mail for, for me. We, you know, we do our barbecues, do, do the Halloween thing together. So there are certainly intrinsic uh, benefits there as well, a little more stable environment for, for, for the kids. right? Um, so we're, there's certainly a reason to do that, part of the reason why we did, part of the reason why most people do, but as far as economic benefits, a means of saving or an investment outright, just not there is not a reason to get into your house. And if you've done any reading at all, Robert Kiyosaki, he does, he's put out a lot, of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of books, a lot of literature on b- owning businesses, investing, uh, that sort of thing. And if you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he, he talks about assets and liabilities, and he asks that very question, is, is your personal home truly an asset, or is it a liability? Well, it depends on the definition, right? He, his definition in, in simple terms of an asset is something that puts money in your pocket every month regularly his definition by contrast of a liability again simple definition it's something that takes money out of your pocket regularly every month every year and if i think about my personal house what am i doing right now i'm putting money out of my pocket for repairs for improvements right you're you're paying somebody if you have someone do your yard you're paying them right All these things that you're paying for taxes insurance it's going out you don't have any income coming in so it's clearly a liability and i think you know it's very much supported by the these two authors uh these two economists in in this particular article uh this particular study zero to negative return on investment of that house that you're living in stop thinking of it as an investment Now, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how, or we'll talk about how your personal residence compares with a rental house. How does owning and operating your home differ from that rental house? So stay tuned.
2: There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Talk 1370, the right choice. Listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show will change your life. We will teach you how to create wealth and passive income so you can be financially free.
1: And now, back to your host. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Andy Webb. If you've got questions for me today, the number here in the studio is 855-497-4335 or send me an email to Andy at L U I N C. So we're talking about home ownership today, your personal house. If you own one or maybe thinking about getting one, everyone's out there buying right now, right? Pushing up the prices, inventory is exceedingly low. It's actually very, very difficult (laughs) to land that dream home right now. Uh, If we have time at the end of the show, we'll talk a little bit about whether it is a good time to buy your personal house right now or not. And I'll tell you, if you do buy a house, what does it do? It casts an anchor. And one of the costs, we looked at an article here uh, or rather, a study really titled "American Dream" or "American Obsession: The Economic Benefits and Costs of Home Ownership." This was published published in the uh, by the Philadelphia Federal Reserve. Now, this is a little bit older. This is 2010, but I think the I think the study, I think the the analysis uh, still stands. In fact, things are trending in the direction as they did their study over the years. They've probably only trended to, uh, you know, more in that direction to, to to the point where that home ownership investment return of what, negative, negative point something percent, just, a, just shyly below zero, is probably tipped a little bit farther negative, I would say, but they talk about reduced mobility rate as one of those uh, implicit costs to ownership, you know. I have a lot of friends that invest in real estate and rent their own place, condo, apartment, house even, gives them that mobility, right? Allows them to move, move to the next market, move whatever they want to do, right? Um, So certainly they've they've given this some thought. Is home ownership my personal house for me? And we're talking ahead of the break about the notion of asset or liability. It's a question that was posed by Robert Kiyosaki in his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he defines there an asset as, you know, simply put something that puts money in your pocket, whereas a liability is something that takes money out of that pocket. (laughs) <laughs> and if you think about your personal house, all the expenses that go along with that, we are in the process of renovating our house right now. We've been here for nine years. When we bought it, the floors were kind of funky. And years of uh, aging dog, you know, losing a little bit of control, they've gotten even funkier. So we're replacing, doing a lot of work in a nutshell. Well, that's an expense. It's coming out of my pocket. I'm not going to get a return on that. Maybe when I go to sell, whenever that may be, but it's an expense. My house is a liability in that sense. Property taxes, you know, any any regular ongoing maintenance, if I hire out the yard work, if I do the yard work, that's my time. There's a value there. There's an opportunity cost to my hour or two, whatever I'm spending out there. So all of that points towards my personal house as a liability. And think a little bit further, as we pay down that mortgage, what's happening? Well, we're, we're we're getting that equity. We're getting that that forced savings that we talked about as well, that the economist said is 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 a myth. We're getting that equity, but it's debt equity. As we pay down that house, as you pay down that mortgage on your house, your equity gets bigger and bigger. It feels real good, it feels great. <laughs> it's like it's money sitting in a zero percent return savings account though. And you got to think about opportunity cost. What if I could get that money out? What if it's $100,000 in equity? What if I could get that out and invest in something that actually generates a return? Even 10% return, that's $10,000 a year. Now I've got an asset. But when it's sitting in that house as debt equity, it's not doing any good for me, right? Other ways you might get to that, we'll talk about this a little more in detail, but cash out refinance is what I'm talking about here. But one of the reasons why we're doing the the repairs now, our market is hot. Values are up. Interest rates are low. Very good time to do what you need to do to get that cash out refi. And then don't go spend it on your consumer goods. Put it into that next set of rental houses, small multifamily, whatever it is you're targeting in the investment world. Put that money to work at that point. But get it out. It's debt equity. Just another expense that that liability that house is costing you okay so how does owning and operating your home differ from owning and operating a rental house andy you just talked about all these things property taxes maintenance you know this cost that cost there's a very succinct very clear difference here and owning and operating your own home first and foremost i got i kind of bring there's a proverb right The the cobbler's children have no shoes right for the longest time We've been fixing up houses for other people, <laughs> making them real pretty, making them the best product on the market to where people are just knocking at the door because they want to get in there. They want to rent it. But our house, eh, we let it sit for a while. right? We Cobblers, children have no shoes means, hey, you're fixing th- everything for everybody else but not taking care of your own stuff. Well, We're doing that now finally. That's one of the downsides I say to some people's home ownership is they maybe neglect these things. right? That's deferred maintenance essentially. And then when you get around to fixing things up on your personal house, well, you take your time. I'm gonna do it myself and I'm gonna save some money. You know, again here, opportunity costs. You're not thinking about your time spent doing these things that takes a lot of time. And then you go and you over rehab it. You overdo it. Costs more. Right? Being a rental owner, we we do it differently. When it comes to that rental house, we, we, we know the market. We learn the market. If we don't, if we're new to that particular city, municipality, neighborhood, whatever it is, we, we figure out what is the ideal space there, the ideal spot for our renovations. And we, we, we renovate to that level. We don't over-rehab because we know the return will not be there if I put the granite countertops in a market that only demands granite looking for mica, for example. We don't overdo it. So we already, we put on a different hat. And if a lot of investors out there are DIY, do-it-yourself types that get out there and are swinging the hammer and painting the walls and doing all that stuff that does take more time, maybe the quality suffers as a result, as well as the, the, the time involved, the time to get it done, to get the house on the market again. But most investors I know do not do that. We hire out the work. Right? We hire out the work. Now the guys I've hired that are in my house right now, well they're dealing with my house and me treading around and my wife and they're having to put down plastic, there's furniture everywhere they're having to move, we're having to move, we're crossing paths, right? It takes them a lot longer as well because of that. Now when we go and fix up these, these rental properties, these houses that we buy that are distressed and need work, they're vacant. So the cost for me to do the work here and the cost for me to do similar work at that house over there that's vacant and will be a rental property vastly different vacant house it goes a lot faster the repairs are done much more quickly they're they're not moving furniture you know they're not worried about dinging up the floors that they just didn't you know or anything else there are no floors right we're we're fixing it up We're, we're taking it down to the studs sometimes not always right sometimes it's a light cosmetic lift but because it's vacant it goes a lot faster and it costs us less to get that work done and as you build your portfolio right you're doing volume you're using these vendors over and over again and and you save tremendously. So the point here is, as a, as a homeowner, to get your maintenance done, to get your repairs done, costs you a lot more than when you are when you when you're working with a rental property. And if you're just starting out, you only have one house. Andy, what volume are you talking about? Well, as lifestyles unlimited members, we go out to the vendor hub that we have on 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 online, and and we figure out okay, I need to do some floors. Who's the flooring guy out there on the vendor hub? Who's the general contractor, perhaps? Who's the AC guy? they get volume from our membership base and because of that we have very good pricing as well and as an owner of a rental house so when i'm done with my house here sure we'll do a cash out refi we'll pull some funds out we'll reinvest those somewhere else and make some make have our money work for us but i can't expense those repairs when i do any kind of repairs when i do that renovation on that rental house to make it rent ready i get to expense that so it's not just the mortgage interest we we, we heard that yes Homeowners can expense their their mortgage interest on their on their uh, annual tax filings. We do that as well. We also get to expense the the repairs. And thinking back to the start of the show, you know, I mentioned the the, the winter storm. What's going to happen next year to everybody out there? Your insurance premium is going to go up. <laughs> we, as a risk pool, just became riskier, and cost the insurance business a lot of money. What can I do on my personal residence about that? Very little shop around but I'm gonna eat those costs. On my rental property, however, I'm gonna pass those on. We'll go to renewal time or we'll lease it again. I'm gonna pass that increased insurance cost to the residents. Property taxes going up because values are going up, same thing, rents are going up, we'll pass that through to our residents. So there's a clear economic advantage there for me with those rental properties. All those things that I have to do to my personal house that's taking money out of my pocket, I cannot recoup, but over here, Talk 137, the right choice.
2: Welcome back to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. It's time to turn up the volume and fine-tune your passive income plan so you can create the lifestyle you've always wanted.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm your host Andy Webb, and today we're taking a look at home ownership. Is it the American dream, or has it become an American obsession? That was the title of a study in the Philadelphia uh, Federal Reserve, Uh, Wenli Li Li and Fang Yang. Now, this has been a little over a decade ago that they did their analysis, but basically it pointed to the fact that you know what—the common precepts for buying a personal residence—that I will be forced to save, and that it's an investment are just simply myths. They're not they're not true. Uh, you wind up not saving. You do what we're gonna talk about right now, which is a great idea, a cash out refi on that property, use that house as an ATM. I, I applaud that notion. The problem is then you go and spend it in the wrong place on consumer goods. On a vacation, you know, stuff like that. That does not give you a return and therefore your forced savings could just kinda dissipate into thin air, right? And of course, the, and the, they, they really got down nitty-gritty on the calculation side of things. I, I'm not even gonna wade in there with you today, but effectively they calculated that the the return on investment of your personal house is a little south of zero. It's a negative, it's a negative return, uh, for some of the reasons we talked about already. Now, when we look at our rental properties, totally different world, right? If I compare owning and operating my rental houses to my to my personal house, we have a lot of similarities there right i've got to pay the property taxes i've got insurance insurance is going to go up next year thanks to our winter storms everywhere right i'm just going to absorb that as a homeowner not a lot i can do right but when it comes time to re-let that house release it or do the lease renewal i'll pass that through to our residents same with the property taxes right on top of that We've got other benefits, We've, we, we're able to use depreciation on our rental properties. We cannot do that on our personal house. We can take that depreciation, which is a, a phantom expense, we offset that, along with any other expenses we may have, mortgage interest, et cetera, to, to effectively net a zero on paper with our cash flow so that we don't pay taxes. We are cash flow positive, don't, don't, don't misunderstand. We're, we're, we're creating cash flow when we pick up these assets but we depreciate the property, which is a phantom expense on paper and benefits us from a tax perspective. And like I said, if it doesn't cash flow, we don't do the deal. So we've got that cash flow coming into our pocket every month, thinking about Robert Kiyosaki's view of your personal house. Is it an asset or a liability? Well, is it putting money into your pocket or is it taking it out? Your personal house is taking it out every month, every year. Our rental properties are doing the opposite. They're putting money into our pocket. Plus, when we get a good family in there, good residents, they stay for longer term, they're paying down our mortgage, we have that equity buildup. In this case, we love that. Yes, it becomes debt equity at some point, my return on equity on that particular property gets so low that I do a cash out refinance and then use that equity somewhere else or sell it. You can do one or both. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about doing that cash out refinance or possibly selling. Um, I personally, we are renovating our house right now where we live, our personal property. I will not be able to expense those, those costs. I am not doing it myself. We are having it done. It gets done faster. The quality will be much better. And we can get to that that closing table that much more quickly. But what do you need to do in terms of preparing your property? Well just whether you're talking about a rental property that you own or your personal house, give it a good walkthrough. Right? Are there are there any deficiencies? Is there any deferred maintenance that you have neglected over the years? In our case, it was the floors, you know, in particular. Uh, Add add on top of that the dog and and a four-year-old and there are sundry other things that we're in the process of fixing. Take care of that stuff, right? Now, don't overdo it. You know, you want to do the repairs that are needed, but do not overimprove. There's an article in Texas Realtor Magazine actually just this past month. It says some improvements add marketability, not value. And you got to think about where you are, what neighborhood you're in. If you would do $50,000 worth of upgrades in a a $200,000 neighborhood, you're not going to get that $50,000 back. Take care of the deferred stuff. Maybe do some cosmetic, minimal cosmetic stuff. You know, keep the budget as low as you can and and, and within reason, but just don't overdo it. People that put in a $60,000 pool, pools are expensive to install these days. Again, in that $200,000 neighborhood, you're not going to get that back, whether you're selling or or doing that cash out refi. Now, again, it'll help your marketability. These improvements, of course, but... In this market, is that even necessary? Not really. Not really. In fact, if you're preparing to sell rather than do that cash-out refi, I would, I would keep your repairs to a, to a minimum. The days on market are so slim. Healthy market, six months inventory. Dallas-Fort Worth is a little north of one month. Austin is a part of a month, a week. San Antonio is 1.2, 1.3, something like that. Most recently, uh, the inventory is just flying off the shelves. So if you're going to put that on the market, just put it on as is. Now for my cash out refi, I want to impress the appraiser. I know what I want to do. How do you figure out what you want to repair, what, what you want to do to make it shine, to be in line with those, with your neighborhood? Well, we start with comps. What is a comp? A comp is a short, is an abbreviation for comparable. I want to go out there and I want to see what the houses around me have sold look like. Okay, assuming those are the values that I want to achieve. So if I'm, if I'm shooting for, let's say, $300,000, I'm going to see which houses sold for that that amount that are comparable in size to my house, right? You you, you don't want to go take the, the three thousand square foot homes when yours is fifteen hundred, right? They need to be similar. Your your appraiser is going to do that very thing and, the, and then adjust for any any differences. So find find those properties that are you know within ten percent square foot size, within a mile of your property, ideally in your subdivision, in your school district, and that have sold within the last six months find that value that you're, you're shooting for that you can reasonably expect and are, is there anything you need to do now to your house to get it ready now how do you get to those sales comps uh, those comparable sales to to even know this well talk talk with your favorite realtor ask them hey can you can you do me a favor I'll keep you in mind like you know next time I do do my, my next deal right ask them to help you out um, if, if you are a member at Lifestyles Unlimited and you have not subscribed you can use quest quest is, a, is a, an analysis tool that allows us to tap into the, to the multiple listing service, the MLS that the, the, the realtors use, and see both sold comps, comparable sales, as well as lease comps, which is important for me as a, a, a uh, rental property manager to, to be able to know, well, going into that release season, what can I market this property for now? Or what renewal rate should I offer based on the most recent lease comps? So Quest is a great tool for that very reason, but thinking about the cash out refi, I want to look at the sold comps and see what improvements have people been doing in my neighborhood since I bought the house essentially, or in the recent half a year in particular. That's my target. That's going to help me determine my scope of work. That's what helped me determine what kind of flooring we want to put in as part of our personal project right now. Counters are fine. Paint, going to go ahead and do that now. Right? Are there any is there anything else I need to think of to get to that? ARV that after repair value that target market value and by the way it's interesting if you work with a good general contractor one of the first questions out of their mouth when you're looking at a new property for them to renovate for you is going to be what's the ARV what do you expect the value to be when we fix it up and that's going to inform them their decisions their scope of work that they put together for you let them do that you can do some fine tuning afterwards but let them put that together for you but that's an important question you don't want to send your GC into a $200,000 neighborhood with $300,000 expectations, or even worse, the inverse, <laughs> 100000 So get out there, find those comps, and that is what you're now going to dress your house up as, whether, again, personal house or your rental property. Now, again, you're probably going to do different qualities of materials, different level of work or different level of work in, in each of those property types. Uh, Use your discretion, but ultimately, the goal now is to get to that dead equity. And that's where our, our, our personal house and those rental properties do share some similarities. I can use both of those as an ATM. Automatic teller machine, just send me the cash. Right, so we're going to go through the process now, get, get in touch with our lender, let them know, hey, here's what I think the value is, and let them run with the ball then. They'll send out an appraiser. You're going to meet that appraiser ideally. Tell them what you think it is. Yeah, you know, I think it's about, oh, I don't know, maybe 320, 320. You know, give them a range, something like that. And uh, on that basis, you're going to do get your cash out. And if it's a rental property, you can go up to 75% of loan to value. So if it's worth a hundred thousand, you can get 75 K out or get a $75,000 loan. If it's your personal house, you can go up to 80%. You can get out a little bit more, right? Use your discretion there, of course, as well and enjoy those very, very low interest rates. And to the, to the, the, the member on our call last week that said, what's the best way to get into the, you know, to use that, that to tap into that equity that I've got in my house. This is a great way to go. Get that cash out of that liability. Out of that personal house that's just costing you every month. Get that debt equity out of there. It's not doing you any good. Return is zero or even negative. And get that into a cash flowing asset. An asset that is enjoying equity pay down every month thanks to our residents. An asset that we're buying right. That's important. We're not going in at the top of the market paying retail for that house that we want to live in. We are buying right typically off market and getting our properties at a discount such that we have an equity buffer as well. So get that cash out and go invest it. Don't put it into consumer goods. You want to get that into that. You want to get it working for you into that next, maybe the first rental house. So to that question, you know, home equity is is a great way to power up and get into that first rental property, get into that maybe that first multifamily deal if you want to be a passive investor. And you can learn more about doing these very things, if you'll go check out freeworkshoplivestream.com, learn more about Lifestyles Unlimited, the way that we make money on houses and on apartments, what that looks like, and see if it's for you. Personal house is not an investment. Get into that rental house, that is a true investment. Hey, I thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name is Andy Webb. And remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. You have a good day.